0: Welcome to Shatter
1: by Rockwell Automation Women in the Field.
0: We're your hosts,
2: Fumi Ige, Carrie Schrock, Kara Parati, and Kira Rust. So hi, Kira, how are you? Doing well, Kara, how are you? I am good. I'm in um, a slightly different environment than normal. I am a dog sitting for one of my friends today. So that's a lot of fun. Um, also always nice to be kind of working from a new environment with how much time we spend at home now. So yes. I'm enjoying it.
0: I love the workcation idea uh, since we both work remote. It's so nice just to have a change of scenery, especially when you need that creative mindset.
2: I entirely agree. And I am someone who um, really enjoys working from home. But then every time I take meetings from either like doing work at a coffee shop or, you know, a friend's place or whatever, it's always so nice. So having a, a work vacation where you can can do that from anywhere has been a lovely little treat this past summer.
0: You know, what's funny now, though, I feel like the workcation for me would be going to the local office. That would feel like <laughs> a big change in my routine. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, for sure. And I recently found out that one of um, uh, another work- co-worker who I don't work directly with actually lives in the same general area as me. And I was like, OK, so we're going to get coffee. We're going to do this. Like, How can I make you meet with me now that I know we're in the same place? Because it's such a rarity now.
0: Yeah, it is. I love it. Well, we wish our guest today was in the same place as us and we could all be live having a coffee together, but we're so grateful to have her regardless.
2: Today we have Jolene Mueller uh, with us today. Jolene is the global director of System Integrator Partners and has been in Rockwell for two years. She is originally from South Africa and now lives in the beautiful Rhode Island, in the USA, and she is passionate about her husband, her son, and her three dogs. She is the happiest walking on the beach with her dogs and riding her mower in her welly bobs. Sorry, welly boots. Jolene, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but at home here, when I've ever referred to those boots, I've always called them welly bobs.
1: I've never heard of that, but straight after this, this is the first thing I'm googling. It's the most <laughs> important thing for me to do today. Now. I
2: wonder if any if that's just like one of those weird one-off family things that I picked up, or if that is anything that anyone else says. So I'll be to learn. Written we'll on a piece of
0: paper. We'll have to do a, an RA Wi-Fi poll. <laughs> yeah, the,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: or tell us more about the welly boots, Jolene. I'm curious. Oh,
1: so my welly boots, they are about doing stuff in the yard. They're about doing hard work. They're so different from what we do in our work lives. They're about making something, creating something, growing something. I absolutely love them. So on a mildly somber note, like, you know, people like, you know, what are you, what are you going to wear when you're um when you're buried? I'm like, I'm definitely not wearing a suit. This I know. I know exactly what I'm wearing. I'm going to be wearing pajamas. And I'm going to have a slipper on one foot and a welly boot on the other foot. And that is exactly my ideal day. Um, I love welly boots and I love pajamas. Oh my gosh, I have many, many pajamas. I have no fancy shoes. Not one fancy shoe in my house.
2: (laughs) I love that. And you know what? If I'm going to be in something for all of eternity, I want to be comfortable
1: right amen right they are my happy place oh that's I mean.
2: that. well
0: in further getting to know you 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 shared this fabulous slide deck with Kara and i that yes. outlined some of the things we mentioned in your intro your belly boots and where you're from mm-hmm. and it's such a great idea to have something like that handy right I'm, I'm curious how long you've had this idea and how you've been using this uh, medium in a work setting to share more about who you are and your work goals.
1: Yeah, so that's a, it's an about me document. I had a look preparing for this. I created it about 15 years ago, which I can't believe it's been that long. Um, and it came out of a, like an executive leadership course that I did at the previous company I was at about preparing your elevator pitch Um, And also creating something that explains all of your greatness. You know, we, especially women, but definitely not women, we struggle to talk about our greatness, right? Because we feel a little bit intimidated and like, oh my God, I can't say this out loud. But putting on a slide deck is actually pretty achievable. And what I do when I'm interviewing, when I'm getting to know someone for the first time, maybe they're new to a company, maybe I'm new to a company, I'll send them that deck ahead of time and 99% of the time they've read it by the time we speak, which gives a great introduction on who I am. Um, And what's really important about that deck is I didn't create it alone. I sort of drafted it and then I got all the people around me that I trust and who see my greatness to help me create it. Because I've written in there things like, you know, I'm – an expert at fearless transformation is that absolutely true yes it is would I have written that myself no but someone else was like Jolene you're great at that and it sort of empowers you to create this slide talking about your greatness and it makes you more comfortable sharing it because you're not having to say it out loud so yeah I've had it for about 15 years I tweak it on a probably an annual semi-annual basis um, and it's um, incredibly valuable for me.
2: Yeah, well, it was really cool for us to see a document like that where you put pieces of yourself into it, but also what you are good at and what you know you would like out of work and. Um, I think sometimes we think of introduction things as either about us very personally or about us very work focused. And so it's cool always to see those uh, come together because it really is especially now impossible to separate those two things. Um, But with that, you noted um, that you love transformation and kind of what does that mean to you? And do you think that this has just always been a piece of your personality or is that a passion that you've developed?
1: This is a super interesting question. I think I had before hearing this question, I had never made the connection that it was part of my personality ever. Um, And in thinking about it, it definitely is. Uh, I find um, puzzles super appealing and how to find efficiencies in things, super appealing. I remember doing a one of my favorite university courses was all about, um, I cannot remember the terminology here, but how do you more efficiently get from A to B? That was not work, that was pure fun. And to me, transformation is a lot about that. It's about efficiency. And the things that I particularly love about transformation is four things. The first one is inspiration. To me, the point of trans of transformation is not necessarily getting to an end point. It's about how you get there. And usually, you know, the people who are working in a certain organization or working with a certain process, they've got ideas they've lived this thing, they know the things that don't work and they've got ideas on what could be done to make it better. To me, transformation, the majority of it is listening to those things. That is the majority of transformation. And that's a gift to be able to get input from a lot of people. Um, so of the four things, the first one is inspiration and listening to people and implementing all of the ideas they've already got. Um Uh, The second one is um, going back to listening. What is the real pain? What is the magic that we could unlock in something? Um, The third one is collaboration. I love collaborating. I love collaborating. I love agreeing with people, disagreeing with people. I love them equally. Um, And figuring out how can we do something better? Where do we agree? Where do we disagree and compromise? Nothing wrong with that. Um, And then the fourth one is making sure that you get to that destination with buy-in and with mutual delight. I've learned through various transformation projects, it's pretty easy to get somewhere and tick the box and leave a lot of disappointed people around you. That's totally doable. You can hit the end point. It's a skill on how to get there with people going, yes, this is where we wanted to get and this was a healthy process. So to me, what transformation is, is getting to an end point with buy-in and with people coming along on that journey to you. And that's what I love. That's beautiful. Buy-in and mutual delight. Right? Yeah. Right? And it might mean that you don't get to where you wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. That's a really important part of transformation is compromising to be like, oh, okay, fine. So we're not going to get to point 10. But let's get to point seven and be like,
2: God, yeah, we love this.
1: Mm. Far more important, far more important.
2: Well, and I feel like so many people have um, a sort of aversion to like the um, compromise wording. And so, even just taking that and flipping that around and referring to that as mutual delight is such a beautiful way to frame that. You know, like even in framing that, you change the perspective when you walk in. Reframe. Yep.
0: (laughs) Software from Rockwell Automation was always built on a promise of giving you clarity amidst the complexity of running a plant or production operation. You've probably experienced these gains for years through an architecture that delivers in all phases from design to -to day-to-day operation, maintenance, and even advanced innovation. We have not stopped delivering. New solutions, new ideas, New ways to work and now a new name factory talk software brings certainty and confidence to your complicated world core applications give you the foundation to customize and build out your operation to achieve and exceed business goals we are building the innovations you need to strengthen performance and achieve growth solving real business problems not responding to the trends now when you think of software from rockwell automation Remember that Factory Talk is the most comprehensive and innovative software portfolio in the industry. Transformation as a mutual delight is a beautiful thing to imagine when you're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but transformation is exhausting. And many companies across the globe are learning this in this current era we're living post-pandemic, right? We found a Forbes article from before the pandemic that had some interesting statistics about burnout. For those that may have not have heard the term, burnout is a condition people face when they overwork and generally feel underappreciated. According to Gallup, 23% of employees report feeling burnout at work Very often or always, while an additional 44% report feeling it sometimes. We all know this figure has been magnified in recent years as well over the pandemic and as companies are growing and stretching and facing the um, uh, global situation that we're in as well. But this is a significant number of people, regardless, even before the pandemic. I wonder, Jolene, what's your experience with burnout? was there ever a time in your life that work felt like it was taking over? A- and I want to add as well, since uh, transformation is a, is a big part of um, your passion, is that something that you have to address in the process as well?
1: Yeah. So, first of all, I find those percentages really sad. No one deserves to feel that way. You know, overworked and even worse, underappreciated. No one deserves that. I find yeah, I find that really sad and really staggering, actually. Um, So I was thinking about, you know, when last I felt like work was taking over, because it's something that I've transformed myself. Um, And it was when my um, son was young. And this is pretty emotional, actually. You know, I remember him talking to me and me not listening. I wasn't listening. I was doing an email. And I find that incredibly sad. There's this little human being that was trying to share himself with me and I wasn't listening. And that was a incredibly significant wake-up call. Um, And I don't do that anymore. You know, my son is um, older now. He's in university and he is a spectacular human being. Um, So I would say um, a few things um, about this. The first one is, um, you know, with burnout, you know, keeping in mind, I remember learning this, I was doing a, a different executive um, leadership session in the company I worked for before, um, remembering we're not paid for our time. That is not the most valuable thing about us. Um, we're paid for our energy. We're paid for our creativity, um, our Inspiration, our thoughts, our actions, our culture. um, That's what we bring to these companies. That's what we bring to um, the people around us, the people that we lead, the people um, who lead us, our colleagues, etc. So, um, in line with that, I pay um, a lot of attention to feeling balanced in my life. I will no longer work and talk to a person at the same time. I don't do it, I don't multitask. Um, it's interesting. Multitasking is seen as a skill. A, I don't have it. I cannot multitask, nor do I see it as a skill. I cannot do two things at the same time. So if I am on a call with you, if I am mentoring you, if I am coaching you, if I'm listening to you, you can be 100% certain you are the only thing I'm focused on, always and forever. If I happen to be looking away something, it's because I'm researching something for you or looking on LinkedIn for you or something. Um, And I find that um, very important. Um, I can do something great when I'm focused on that thing. Um, Something else on um, burnout. I find the moments where I feel burnout is usually um, when I'm thinking about work, not in work time. And we all have those moments, right? So I find If I struggle to sleep because I'm thinking about work, I know that I've got my balance wrong. It's a very strong indicator of Jolene, stop, stop. Something's gone a little bit off kilter. Um, And I've learned, and this is only through practice, that it happened this morning. I was lying in bed um, a few minutes before the alarm was going to go off. And some work topic came into my mind. And I've learned really gently just to be like, "Mm mm-mm. In an hour, I'll be working and that thought will come back. And I've just learned to push work to work topics out of my mind when they don't need to be there. At 9 a.m. the next morning, work will be there and they can all come flooding back then again. So um, I think burnout is a really big deal and we do not deserve it at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, it. I would agree that those numbers are staggering and quite sad, right? But it's good to hear ways that we're able to recognize feeling that way. So instead of getting stuck in like a burnout cycle, that there are ways that you can sense that coming on for yourself. Um, And like you said, I love viewing our, you know, what we are doing in work as attributed to value, not time. Um, But it's also about what kind of energy that's consuming. And you do A lot. Um, You mentor a ton of people, you're involved. How do you get so much done, stay focused and still feel that magic that you've described? Is there a way that you've practiced boundaries? Are there different tools that you utilize? Kind of how have you figured out how to do that?
1: Absolutely. So for me, um, this is about um, prioritizing mainly. And I find like, you know, when people ask me how I am, 99% of the time, the answer is I'm superb. I am superb. And the reason is my husband is happy and healthy. My son is happy and healthy and my dogs are happy and healthy. And I really don't need any more than that. I really don't need any more than that. So that prioritization, what really matters to me in life is step number one. And then I was thinking about like how many hours are on the day, right? We all get the same amount of time, right? So I'm like right, 24 hours in a day. I spend eight sleeping. I really value sleep, right? I've learned I cannot cheat myself on sleep. I can pretend to cheat myself and I'll pay for it. Two days later, but I cannot cheat. You always
2: pay when it comes to sleep. (laughs) It always
0: comes back. You're you're in good company on that front. We value sleep here.
1: (laughs) It's incredibly important. So I'm like,
0: right, eight hours I'm going to put
1: aside for sleep, valued sleep. Um, Eight hours, roughly, roughly, I'm going to work. Do you know what that means? It means I've got eight hours in the day for playtime. This is magnificent. This is eight hours that I can be using to laugh with my husband, call my son, see how he's doing, walk the dogs on the beach, do washing. I don't mind doing chores around the house if I have time for them, because then it's enjoyable, right? I've got eight hours every day to do stuff that I want to do or do stuff that I need to do for my life. But I can only get those eight hours if work stays within its eight hours, right? I cannot get both. So for me, um, prioritizing is how I feel like I can get all of these uh, magic things done. Um, And then within work, I also make sure I prioritize within those eight hours. So coaching, mentoring, supporting my team right at the top of the list. I will never not have time to coach someone, ever. It will not exist because those things will always go in the list first. And then every day I focus on a few top priorities for that day. The really important things, the things that I have to get done, because none of us will ever get to the end of our to-do list. That rainbow does not exist, right? That pot at the end of the rainbow. So what are the things I need to do today or I need to do next week? And the rest will wait. And it'll wait. And it'll be fine. It'll be absolutely fine. It'll come in time. I don't get stressed ever about not getting stuff done because I get an extraordinary amount of stuff done. Um, And I completely acknowledge I cannot do it all at the same time. And that's absolutely fine. So for me, that's how I get stuff done. That's how I stay focused because I prioritize. I keep up my energy and just get through it. Get through it one piece at a time, one task at a time. And it's just fine.
0: Hearing you describe it, it feels like, this is like nourishment for work. (laughs) Like You have to eat your veggies. You have to make sure you're exercising your body, whatever that looks like for you. Like there's a, a huge, um, emphasis on quality over quantity.
1: That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. I, um, I was reading the, um, The Brunei Brown um, excerpt that you sent me Mm -hmm. Um, and I really valued that and I really valued the part about perfectionism. Um, I used to be a perfectionist and what was written there was it really hit home actually about it's not about getting stuff done to a great quality it's about feeling like you need to prove something and achieve something it comes from a point of I'm not going to say weakness but it comes from a point of not actually trying to do a um, a really good solid job so I used to be a perfectionist I'm <laughs> really not anymore mm-hmm. because it doesn't do anything so yeah to me it's definitely about quality rather than quantity and it's things like when I'm talking to you I'm talking to you Wonderful. and then I will move on to the next thing and I'll do that and then I'll move on to the next thing and do that because otherwise I can easily finish the week and be like I've done everything poorly
0: yeah right (laughs) I even really get done that I want to sign my name on
2: right yeah right and even I found perfectionism can be a distraction to doing lower quality work (laughs) you know like it will eat away in your head and then you're distracted in that same multitasking thing you can't you can't do what you are trying to do if you're constantly overwhelmed by needing it to be perfect indeed you cannot
1: and it puts I see, so much pressure on you, pressure that is not deserved.
0: No, absolutely not. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm really trying. I'm, I'm really trying to be mindful about it because um, it's, we know it's less quality. It's not the way I want my brain to operate. And when my brain is spinning all the time, I'm not my best self because like you said, it's not about the time in the day. It's what you do at the time. And you know, your creative energy and, and, The little signature that you put on your work is the reason you're a part of a team and the reason you were hired to do your job. I think also it would be really hard to be a leader in transformation and be a perfectionist. (laughs) This was,
1: so when I started, this is such a good uh, topic. So when I started doing uh, transformation, it was uh, digital transformation, right? So we were managing a lot of tools and a lot of tools that were touched by internal users and um, external users. So the stakes are high, right? Um, And when you start a role like that, you start being like, right, cannot have downtime, cannot have a tool that doesn't work. And I very quickly learned that is not possible. It is simply not possible. And it's far too much pressure to put on yourself and your team. It's about is what we have today better than yesterday? And if it's a micro amount better, I'm delighted with that. And then tomorrow will be better than today. And the next day will be better than tomorrow. And tools will go down. Processes will not work. Things will fail. And fine. Fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So being in that um, role taught me an incredible amount about it's absolutely fine to make mistakes. It's absolutely fine for tools to go down and things not to be perfect. And it's also absolutely fine to um, put stuff on ice, walk away from things, decommission things. Um, as people, we tend to find that really quite difficult because we get invested in our project and it's not going well, but often we'll just keep going with it because, I don't know, we want to achieve something. We've invested a lot in it. I understand that. So there is a skill in walking away from something or realizing that it's time is just not now. To me, a good idea is like a sailboat. Sometimes you just have to put it down and wait for the wind to pick it up again. And the wind will pick it up. It will. Sometimes it usually takes about six months in my experience, but the wind will pick it up. So do not feel disheartened if you just need to put the sailboat on the side for a moment.
2: It's that sunk cost fallacy, right? Whether it's time, energy, whatever else. I've put X amount into this. I must keep going even if it isn't working. And so I think being able to like step back and say, "Whoa, maybe we need to check back up on this in that six months or get a different angle, whatever it looks like is very difficult, but so, so important. (laughs) It is
1: difficult because we care, right? And we started this thing for a reason, whatever this thing
2: is, absolutely. So Jolene, maybe switching gears a little bit, but um, when you've talked about your work uh, in our previous conversation with Kira and myself, you don't necessarily use the term career. Um, And can you tell us a little bit more around why that is or what your methodology around that is?
1: Yeah, so I've got a confession to make. I don't have a five-year career plan. (laughs) I have Absolutely no idea where I'm going to be in five years.
2: What a refreshing, refreshing thing to hear, especially <laughs> from someone in your position. You love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember feeling awful about this for years and years and years. What's
1: your career plan? Shit, I, I, I have no idea. And I love the fact that I do not. I have. Why would I want to know where I'm going to be in five years? five years ago, I wasn't in this country. I wasn't on this continent. I wasn't working for this company. I didn't have one of my gorgeous dogs that's with me now. Um, That sounds magical to me, not knowing where I'm going to be in five years. I have no idea on planning my um, plan on changing this. So um, I enjoy every day. I delight in every day. I do not take this life for granted, I do not take the people around me for granted, um, and I'm open to every possibility. So, a um, a piece of advice I would have, and I give this advice to really anyone that I mentor, you know, as we as we go through life, we're we're sent emails, we're sent LinkedIn connections, people contact us, and they're like, hey, I've got an opportunity in blah blah blah. Would you like to talk about it? Hey, I've got, the answer is always yes. The answer is always yes. I cannot think of ever speaking to another human being and regretting that conversation because people are fascinating and we're interesting. And I cannot imagine not learning something from someone every single day. Um, And if I think about how I got to Rockwell, it was from this gentleman called Johannes that phoned me up one day connected with me through LinkedIn saying, hey, I'm at this company, would you like to speak? Yes. Yes. And at the time when we spoke, really wasn't the right time for me to leave the company I was at before. I was going through the um, green card process. And then he reached out again saying, hey, would you like to speak? Yes, I would like to speak. So um, I would always advise anyone, it doesn't matter if the job doesn't look like the right fit for you speak to that person, whether it's about a job or an opportunity, or would you like to host something or yes, yes, I would. Um, Because there are magical people around there and there are connections around there and you do not know where they're going to take you. And none of those conversations will ever
0: be wasted. Awesome. That makes sense. If you're trying to map out a career and you have five-year, 10-year, 15-year plans, you miss a lot of those opportunities, don't you?
1: You do. And sometimes those opportunities are like teeny tiny things just to learn about. It might be learning about a technology. It might be just meeting um, another human being. I love speaking to people. I love speaking to people about anything. Absolutely anything. It's a delight to me. That's why we're all here. That's why we're all here to make connections.
2: I entirely agree and feel very similarly like interpersonal connections are the ways that like my cup is filled, so to speak. Um, And I think also sometimes you make a five-year plan and it's really stressful and it's like, oh, I got to tell someone this so that they know X, Y, Z things about me and how do I do that? Um, But again, I think all three of us would agree, like you were saying. It never looks how you plan it to look. So like having ideas about what you want like you were talking about in that intro slide I think is really beautiful, but you never really know how life is going to unfold for you. Um with that, how would you kind of in the same way piece apart the difference between like career versus job versus work? Did those look different in terms of I think we use them pretty interchangeably now, but they can be kind of weighty depending on how you use them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. I don't know what the formal definition is between um, any of those things. I think my preference to not use the word career is because it allows me to put work into the right context within my life. Mm -hmm. I work for a reason. I work because I want to um, live and I want to travel, and I want to have an incredible amount of fun with my husband and my son and the people around us. And to do that, I need money in my bank account every second Friday. It's just the way it is, right? And that's the reason I work. By the way, I really enjoy working. Um, if I didn't need to work, I think I might still work, actually, because I really enjoy it. Um, but that's, that's an aside. That's not the reason um, that I work. Um, So something else about um, work and career. So although I don't have a five-year plan, I do have clarity around what I love doing. And I do have clarity around what I would really like to do. And I've come up with that in um, a few different ways, a few different uh, methodologies. So first of all, I find it really difficult if I'm like starting this fresh to be like, what do I want to do? I have no idea. What I do find fairly easy is to look at the people around me and see whose job would I like and why would I like that job. And I find if I do it that way, I tend to go, ah, all right, it's because they're working with certain people or they're working on certain technology or they're working on transformation. So thinking about people around me has allowed me to say, that's actually a job I would like. And then I can figure out why. Uh, What I also do um, I spend a fair amount of time on LinkedIn looking at job posts because they also allow me to put into words the stuff that I like. When I read a job post and my heart starts beating, I'm like, oh, there's something about this. Um, and then I copy and paste it. So in that uh, deck that we spoke about in the beginning, I've got a slide in there that talks about my dream job. Um, I think that's an amalgamation of two different jobs that I saw in LinkedIn. Um, So that when I have that career discussion about someone, about what is that job that I want to do next, I've actually got it on a piece of paper. I can tell them what I would love to do next. It doesn't mean that the job I'm going to take is going to be perfect, but allows me to explain to someone really quite quickly why, what are the attributes I'm looking for. Um, And like in that about me slide deck, I think I say for future, I say transformation, possibly COO. I think I would love a COO job. So I don't have a five-year plan. I do really know what I love to do. And I do have an idea of where I, the things I would like to do next. And in between now and then will be adventure. It'll be adventure.
0: You're so clear on who you are. It's like, you don't need the rest of the fuss. If you know what your values are, you know what you want your life to be. And you are moving toward that as a North Star rather than... Scrambling every five years to try to make sure you're on track with this idea that you had
2: based on a past version of yourself, right?
1: Right. On pressure that someone else put on you to
2: have a five year plan. Right. And I think that that? puts pressure on yourself, right? To be meeting XYZ goals. And then if you don't, or it looks a little bit different, it's like, oh no, I've not done this, 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 and this. And it's like, no, it can just look different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And who decided we needed a five year plan? Where (laughs) did that come from? Preach.
0: (laughs) I'd like to figure it out so we can have a discussion. (laughs) On that note, though, a lot of the messaging that we get as as young people, and maybe I'll just speak for myself, a lot of the things that I've heard are around hustling and putting the work in while we're young, almost like there's a there's like a success piggy bank. And it's like invest now because if you don't put the work in now, you know, there's no chance you're going to have a successful career. So there's a lot of this pressure to be successful without ever feeling empowered to define success in our own lives for ourselves. Like a lot of what I'm hearing you say is you take this very humanist approach. I'm a human. I have this time in this life. Here's what I want to do. Um, But if I'm one of the young people you mentor, what's your response to that kind of ideology? I would say
1: two things. Um, First of all, I think it is important to define your success. It doesn't have to be a lofty goal, but what does success mean for you? It might be that at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, I'm happy. Nothing wrong with that. That's pretty much my level of success. That's my measure of success. I am no—I have the simplest brain ever. Um, so define your success and feel free to change your mind whenever you want to. Whenever you want to, right? This is your life entirely. So today you can define your success as I want to travel or maybe I want to just go to hell for leather on work for the next year. Fine, do that, but you define that success and change your mind all the time. Um, The second thing I would say is do not take work too seriously. Do not take work too seriously. Think about why you work. I remember sitting with a family member, this is going back quite a few years, sitting with a, it's actually um, my brother-in-law, on a beach on holiday with our kids playing and he was on his phone, and I remember saying to him, "Why? What? Why are you on your phone?" And he said, "Because I really enjoy it." And at the time, I went, "Okay." And thinking back now, I'm like, "Man, man, there was something, you know." And of course, this is his his own choice, of course. Um, but think about why you work, and do not take it too seriously. Um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, you know, what are the things I'm going to remember when I'm older and what are the things that I want to be the same or I want to be different. My marriage certificate has a man's name on it, an incredibly special man's name on it that I married many, many years ago, 27 years ago. What I know is that I want that name to be the same this year, next year, the year after because he is incredibly important to me. My business card has a name on it. That name is probably going to change, right? Almost all of us used to have a different name in our business card. And I've still got two decades to work. It pro- That name on that business card is probably going to change. And that's important to think about, right? So when I'm prioritizing what's important to me, um do not take work too seriously put it in the right place in your life define your success and go with that do not put this pressure on yourself it's not worth it it's not worth it that was a fairly long-winded to that answer but I think it's such an important sorry to that question but I think it's such an important question because it's pressure put on us by
0: who why by what? Yeah. What, it, what is this pressure that
2: we're feeling? Exactly.
0: No, that's it productive. Is it productive pressure?
2: Yeah. I'm guessing
1: it doesn't make us go. Yeah. Bring creativity. It. It's guilt. Guilt is one of the most destructive. I'm going to call it emotions. I don't think it's an emotion. I don't know what guilt is, but it's destructive and it has no place and it has no value.
2: Um, I was going to say that I don't think that answer was long-winded. I think it was, you know, a necessary explanation for that. And I think allows people hearing that to take a hard look at what are we prioritizing and what does make us happy and how do we do that? Um, Kind of in addition to what you were just saying about the guilt that comes with that, I know that you've worked really hard to make those priorities, um, you know, in a way that allows you to be more free from that, are there other ways that you've been able to free yourself from that guilt, considering that a lot of the times, no matter what your internal work on that is, there's a lot of external pressure for that guilt to exist for us?
1: Yeah, so I should probably say at this this point that I have um, a lot of self-doubt. Like an incredible. Don't we all? Yeah, that's, yeah. Right? And I wish I could tell you why. I wish I could tell you why, because I don't deserve it. Right? I'm like, I do a great job. And I am sensible. I am powerful. I am intelligent. I rate incredibly highly at work. Yet, I have incredible self-doubt. And to me, a... um, You know, what do I do about that? One, acknowledge it. I find that is the most important part of self-doubt is just acknowledge it. Um, Secondly, recognize it when it happens, right? So um, to me, it's like a black crow that I have sitting on my shoulder and just being like, go, be gone. You you don't deserve to be here. And it's just really gentle, non-beating myself up kind of way. Oh, the crow um, is here. <laughs> oh, the
2: crow.
1: Oh, um, I'm going to give a, a little example. This was a. This was a really significant moment for me a few months ago, and it involves my manager. And I've never told him this, so mm-hmm. if he's listening to this, he might get a kick out of this. So, my um, last uh, performance mid-year performance review. I was absolutely certain that my manager was going to tell me at that review that I wasn't doing a good job and he thought he should hire someone else and I should find another job. By the way, there was no reason for this. There was no reason for this, right? But I was absolutely convinced that that's how this conversation was going to go. I walk into the room. What does he say? Jolene, don't change a thing. Jolene, don't change a thing that was such an eye-opener on how my self-doubt and reality can be two wildly different things. And my confidence since that conversation has skyrocketed. And now, whenever I have self-doubt, I hear, Jolene, don't change a thing. So to me, very important for self-doubt is acknowledge it, Acknowledge it's there and then pull in all those voices of the people who do see your greatness because you'll like replace those crows with doves or whatever your, whatever your um, bird of choice is. Success pigeons. And people around you will see your greatness. So use them, use them all the time.
2: Oh, that's beautiful. That really is. And having those, you know, People who can remind you of that and also like the acknowledgement piece in recent history when I've been like feeling frustrated or some of those guilt, whatever, um, I have started to try to welcome them as an old friend, say, okay, here you are. Thank you. I know that you are trying to serve a purpose might right now might not be the time, we'll see where this goes and we'll try and you know not fight yourself on it but just like okay you're there but you don't have to be
1: I think that's right and be gentle with yourself be gentle with yourself just like give it a gentle path to be like not right now thank you very much yeah
2: um so kind of connecting to that last piece around you know the cultural pressure that gets put on on all of us. um, I think specifically women might hear this more, but um, I think everyone can really learn from how to combat this phrasing of you can't do it all. I think we are regularly reminded of this idea that you can't do it all. Um, What kind of advice do you have for people who are hearing that you know many times women um, and how do they find the balance to be able to combat that
1: so first of all I hate people telling me what I can do oh my god I hate it so much
2: (laughs) don't tell me what to do (laughs) who are you
1: (laughs) I hate being told what to do and I hate being told what I cannot do my husband's learned this by the way if he tells me I cannot do something, oh my gosh, right? I will build that wall. I will climb that ladder. I will do, right? And he's he's learned how to, how to use this, this fact that he knows about me. We're, um, we're
0: putting on our welly boots and we're doing it then. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, and I fully believe I can do
1: whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I do acknowledge I cannot do it all at the same time. And that is very important. And that's why I prioritize and I balance. And I don't want to do it all at the same time. Um, What I do want to do is those things that are incredibly important to me, and then make sure that the stuff that needs to be done to accommodate that is put in its right place. Um, And that's how I do it all. I do everything that I want to do, and I don't feel guilt for the things that I Don't get to because I, man, I do the best I can and you do the best you can and you do the best you can
0: and it's good enough. God, it's good enough. I thank you so much for bringing humanity to the forefront of work. I I think if I could sum up this conversation and so much of your philosophy um, it is so human centric and so important, especially for the era we're in. Um, we face a lot in, in life and in work at the moment, especially. Um, and I, I think this has been such a valuable conversation. So thank you so much.
1: I've absolutely loved being here. Thank you so much, not only for, for being here, but just hosting this topic. Um, I believe so much in balance. And you know, linking this up to work and with doing a good job, to me, you know, having that balance, having the energy, energy isn't incredibly important. It means that we will be more productive, we will have better results, we will support each other better. It all feeds the same thing. But to me, you get to all of those wonderful payoffs through balance and prioritizing and being kind to yourself and being kind to the people around you and putting things in their place. I believe in this uh, very strongly. So thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. I think uh, I can speak for both Kira and myself and likely many, many listeners that we all could stand to hear the things that you were telling us today. So we appreciate that. And um, as always, it was wonderful to have you on Chatter today
1: thank you thank you very much indeed
2: now go get a cup of tea before you do your next meeting (laughs) so
1: i was gonna
0: say it felt like we've been cozied up in a coffee shop even though we were we were just wishing for it in the back of our mind (laughs) (laughs) thank you all thank you bye-bye